0: Welcome to USA football's coach and coordinator podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski.
1: Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast, and we have an incredible lineup coming up here We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division III coaches, some great high school football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. So please contribute to the show as much as you can. Our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA football. And this is really for you to be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan. something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar and full contact and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model at usafootball.com FDM. On today's coaching coordinator podcast, we look at things from a different angle most coaches when they are out at clinics at this time of the year they're talking with other coaching staffs are looking for things that they can add well we're going to take a different approach today and talk about what do i need to delete and joining me on the podcast repeat performer here the head football coach at the college of brockport coach jason Mangone. jason great to have you here oh thanks for having me appreciate it absolutely well it's funny as we were getting going and thinking about talking about a, something here on the a podcast, you know, we talked about that idea of being complex. And, you know, it, it's something that you have to have an approach to that in order to be effective in being complex for a defense, you it really have to figure out how can I be simple, right? How can I especially be simple and have this user-friendly system both for the players and the coaches? And I remember back to... You know, the first time you and I talked on the podcast a couple years ago, we were talking about, you know, (laughs) plays on on our call sheet that were put in and, you know, guys suggested and, and, you know, we get to it. We don't ever get around to calling it because it it was like, just didn't fit for us. It became too much. It it wasn't really in the the flow of of how we wanted to work our, our offense and, you know, we end up putting too much into it or thinking that we need all these security blanket things and you know, when, when it boils down to, and it was something that Matt the Titans coach at army now, and I talked about a, a little while back is, you know, he, what he's seeing the best people out there have a way to do it. That is simple. Now it might look complex to a defense. His point was like simple wins. Right. And so that's kind of, I guess the framework of what we're talking about here today.
0: Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. You know, we, and I think we touched on this last time, we have five words that begin with S that we believe equate success. And one of them is simple and it's, it's playing free of mind. You know, when i going back to my playing days, kind of simply is I played in two different systems and one was very complex and I learned a lot as a young football player, but I was also I guess to put it in simple terms, I was very confused. You know, when, when the the ball is snapped and in my seven to 10 seconds of pre-snap work, I had about 15 things to think about. And rather than, uh, I guess, just playing, I was thinking, and it, it made me hesitant. It made me overthink things that maybe were on the simpler side of the offense, but because I had so much to think about, I was, my mind never rested. So I always wanted to be a coach that said, okay, you know, we're going to concentrate on maybe two or three things at the most on every single play and three being on the highest part and, uh, and kind of just play football. You know, we recruit these young people first on film with their ability and it's, is you never want to take away from their talent because they're using their brain too much. And obviously we all know that there's things you need, you can't get away from it a hundred percent. Obviously, uh, there's so many good coaches out there and, and good football players you're playing against. But at the end of the day for us, we're going to try to make it as simple as possible. And, and I think, and it, 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 again, I, I say this a lot, is it's harder to be simple than it is to be complex. You know, it, it kind of a, what you alluded to earlier, there's so many things that you're trying to find in terms of answers. And usually the answer says, okay, well, we can install this, or we can install that. Well, then again, you look at your play sheet and next thing you know, you have, you know, nine run plays and, and 15 pass concepts. And and that's something that we try to stay away from at Broadport. We have three run concepts and we have about 10 pass concepts and, and that's all. And we're going to kind of go over them to the point of, of nauseam and, and, and really get to know the inside and outs of those plays. So our kids at the end of the day can obviously just play football.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. And, it's something we went through that whole exercise at a couple places that I've been. The the, the process of what I need to delete, I believe, starts with your past season and, and studying it and figuring out what did I call, uh, also matching it to what what did I practice and the effectiveness of it. And you know, this, for me, goes back to 2003. I think I've told this story maybe a couple times here on the podcast that that season ends And, you know, I I did take over in that offseason as the head coach Our head coach retired towards the end of summer. But, you know, we had prepped together for what does our offense need to look like to beat the best teams on our schedule? And it started with this study of what did we use this past year? And we had so many play calls, uh, so many things that when we put it all together and started looking at the body of work from the previous season, you know, we determined one, that Looking at that, we couldn't even tell you what our base was. If I took somebody who didn't watch us, said, "Hey, take take this data and tell me what was our base run game," couldn't find it. We found that you know we weren't effective, especially against. I think at the time it was odd fronts. We were struggling against odd fronts and running the football, and that you know, essentially we kind of became a grab bag offense. So instead of having a series of answers and, you know, I mean, you could call them if thens or or whatever you might think of a thought process and how things fit together is like we over the years. And I've been with that staff for a while kind of had accumulated all these things and and it did become in the off season. Like, what do I add? I saw this neat play here. I saw this on TV. Hey, I talked to this coach about this thing instead of you know, the process, if we're going to add something, we need to delete. We just had this jumbled mess. And so we looked at all that and said, you know, of all this, we know we want to become a zone team. So we went out and started studying that. And, you know, that the end result, jump ahead at the end of that next season, was we primarily were running stretch, I think calling it, uh, of our run game like 30-some percent of the time, inside zone was a little bit less than that but in the high 20s and then what was left of our other runs which I think were variations of of having a play with a polar so trap counter and then a front side down with the guard kicking out those those remained in that year and that kind of comprised the rest of it so it was very clean as far as we knew what what was there and, you know, the stuff we were doing, those odd fronts, actually, we ran better against the odd front that year than we did the even. Both were really efficient. I mean, the the stretch we ran was like 10.7 yards per carry over two years, right? And it was just setting everything up. Those were our answers. And by year three of running that offense, we actually deleted everything but stretch and inside zone. We we took out the other things. They, they We didn't need them anymore. We found ways to get misdirection we wanted without doing some of that stuff and became even more simple in our answers. Now, if you talk to you know, somebody on the other side, they thought we were doing a lot of stuff. They thought we were very complex. So we made it, it was that balance of being having something user-friendly, very teachable, yet the appearance, the, the window dressing, call what you want. I, I never liked the term window dressing because we like to do things with a purpose, but all those things working together to present something that was going to be tough on the defense. So that like I said, I went through our process there on how do I delete, but coach your thoughts on how does that happen? How do I uh, get to the board that has all these things on it and start scratching things off?
0: Yeah. So I think first, you know, I think everybody in their coaching style has convictions and, and I th- I believe it's important to have convictions and in, in what you deem that you know very well, what you coach very well, and then ultimately what your players do very well. So you know, the advantage we have at the collegiate level is we recruit to try to fit into our system, obviously adapting when need be. You know, that's probably the, the biggest difference with, with high school is, you know, you're going to have to maybe change year to year. So for us, you know, it, it's I, could, I, I may have used this analogy when we spoke last time, I can't remember, but, you know, I treat my offense like my closet. And if I, if I buy a pair of, of jeans and I get a new pair of jeans, I'm taking a pair of jeans out of my closet and I wear three pairs of jeans. So, you know, I I know it sounds goofy, but that's kind of how we look at our run game. You know, if we were to add something, something has to come out. And it's one of those deals where, and and it kind of, again, piggybacking on what I already spoke of is, is it's easy to say, oh, you know, I saw this on social media. I listened to a guy speak on this and and it's a great concept. It's a great scheme. You know, we can install this, but then how do you find time to practice what you're adding in addition to what you've done, because something is going to slip, you know, it's, it's, it, it would be fine for us maybe to have a fourth or a fifth run concept, but then at, at, at ultimately it, can you really teach and get your kids to adapt to, you know, kind of what you spoke of with the odd fronts, right? You're going to see an even front team this week. You're going to see an odd front. You're going to see a team bouncing back, back and forth. And then you got your third down stunts and your twists and your blitzes. How do you get ready for all of that stuff? And it's already hard to get ready for all of it with replays or four concepts, let alone a fifth or a sixth. So, you know, we, we look at what we do and and kind of going back to, you know, your breakdowns of, of looking at what you believe in and trying to find what your core concept is for us, it's inside zone and it's been inside zone. I took over the offense in 2004 at Brockport. and, And I would say that if you looked at every single year since then, inside zone has been our number one run concept and and i have it actually sitting in front of me we ran inside zone this year 22 percent of the time for a 5.2 yard average maybe not you know we we deem a a good run play on average throughout a year of five plus we would rather have our inside zone be around 5.6 at the end of the year that's where we deem like that was a very successful year so we're not far off but it's far enough. And then our second run concept in the run game was, was our counter where we kick out with the guard and pull with our, our fullback. And we ran that this time this year for eleven percent. So we double inside zone over our counter this year. That's how much we run inside zone and that and that our counter game we ran for a, a four point nine average. So not very good is how we view it. So but for us, you know, we, we deem that we can run inside zone against everything. And that's why it's it's our number one rights concept and has been, because we feel like, you know, out of our one back, two back, the wrinkles we can do with inside zone, with you know just something as easy as a, a split flow with with our fullback in our twenty personnel kicking out the backside, we can arc him on the backside alley out of the same personnel, so it looks similar. The, the the backside end or the backside edge may think he's getting kicked out, and all of a sudden he gets you know, let go for the alley. We can run it out of one back and just kind of, you know, zone read it. We can run it with our 20 personnel again and lead with our fullback and read the backside. We can, out of that same 20 personnel, put our fullback in the backside flat for an option to throw to him. And again, it, it looks like he's going to get kicked out on the edge with our, uh, the, the backside end, and he doesn't. And maybe they're thinking he's going an arc on the outside linebacker, and he doesn't, and he releases in the backside flat. You know, you can run out of eleven personnel with your tight end, front side or back side. Run out of ten personnel, empty the whole thing. So I think, you know, there's just so many little wrinkles you can do out of out of our zone game that that's why. And then just kind of fitting up all the the run defenses, we like it so much. But I think for us, in order to do that, we have to practice it again at nauseum. So that's where we're gonna hang our hat on. And, and people that we play against know it. It's not a secret. And and we tell our kids that. You know, sometimes, and how many times we heard that, you know, the, your offensive guys come off to of the sideline and go, yeah, you know, they're, they're calling for inside zone. Yeah, guys, we're going we're gonna to run it 25 times today, so they better be, right? If they don't, they haven't watched any film on us, and I think it's important to get your guys to understand that we don't care that they're going to do that. They're obviously not always going to be right, but that's that's fine. It It shows that what we're doing in practice is showing up in film, and that's why they're calling for it, so. But, you know, again, I just think it's, it's, you, we, and we, this is what we talked about last time we spoke is what do you do and how efficiently you can practice it during the week? And then on top of that, how efficient in practice are you at it? I think guys really concentrate on self scout year to year. We, we do it year to year, but we also do it week to week. And we also do it within our practice week. So at the end of Thursday practice from when we play on Saturday, we're going to look at how we practice. All of our all of our stuff, and if there's not good percentages with success within practice, well how do you expect to succeed on game day? So you know we've taken things off the game plan after a Thursday practice because maybe it just didn't work against that that particular defense or what we anticipated seeing, so you know I think that the the self scout thing gets maybe kinda puts it the wayside a little too much when you're thinking about how you prepare for a game and you concentrate so much on what the other team does that sometimes you don't concentrate on what you do enough.
1: Yeah, well I couldn't agree more and it's funny you mentioned that story. I think it happens everywhere if you start to run things this way. I can remember in our first year of Yeah, I think it was it was actually the second year and we had a younger group of linemen and one of the one of the young linemen coming off in, in the first or second game was like coach they, they're calling out every play what we're running I'm like what are they what are they saying they're like watch the stretch watch the inside zone I'm like well shoot Pat if, if they say watch the the naked we're in trouble because that's all we do I mean and I looked at him I said are they stopping it no coach I'm like it's okay then we're gonna be all right and, I, and there, was, there was another time we my quarterback even though we'd signal things in I, he'd always end up standing next to me on the sideline after play a lot of times because he'd boot out and finish his finish out there so he just come over and say hey, what's the next play he'd go to the huddle take it there so this one team would uh would keep a guy walking over to and standing there on the other side of the line of scrimmage but standing there and finally had enough of it and you know I sent the quarterback to play and I looked at him and I said hey it's stretch <laughs> and the kids kids eyes bugged out of his head and and he didn't come over anymore that was the last I saw of him but <laughs> you know it's it's one of those things like you know just this this isn't necessarily always a game of I need to trick them. We certainly want to keep them off balance. We want to be good with our, our, our play calling. But, I, I mean, I've never at any le- you know level of coach, whether I've been a head coach, an offensive coordinator, high school or college, have worried about calling a play till they stop it, right? And And, uh, I mean, don't outthink yourself. I think that's part of being simple as well. Don't outthink yourself.
0: Uh, yeah. It goes out to it and that's probably the the probably by by fire when you're calling plays early on is I think the tough thing is you're always trying to find maybe that answer as a young play caller you know I was 26 years old when I took over and and maybe I didn't think it was cool to run maybe the same simple plays over and over again and and, and you know unfortunately for me I had a young man named Bob Darley, a quarterback, who was absolutely outstanding and covered up pretty much every mistake that I made as a young play caller, because he was just so darn good that any bad play call, he still made right. So, and I say that only because my next couple of years were, were tough because Bob wasn't there anymore. Um, so, and that was kind of the lessons of, you know, it, it's, it's winning and being good or, and not about being cool you don't have to be the guy that makes the unbelievable play call as the crowd goes crazy on it's about being successful and taking those four to five yards every time. And, and obviously moving the sticks and, and doing that whole deal. So, um, but I think, you know, translating what your philosophy is to the, to the kids that are actually on the field is probably, you know, one of the biggest things that we do. And, and so they don't get, you know, kind of um, nervous about hearing inside zone run four times out of seven plays or, you know, having the simple, you know, hitch stick kind of concepts run when if teams are playing seven yards off on the edge, we're going to take that easy hitch. So it's just really convincing them that what you're doing is is going to be successful and, and they can, with their ability, take it to the next level.
1: For sure. Well, Coach, you know, moving that ahead, thinking, thinking of in-game, right? Especially getting to halftime and the halftime also kind of being this process of, what do I I need to delete now? I know it's probably good practice to save some things till the second half and to to go into a game game thinking you know we're gonna work some of these things early. Here's some things that I want in our arsenal in the second half, so you can you can save some of those things. But for me, you know, the process of halftime was again going through that that game plan and that call sheet that we had and really highlighting then. Based on on what we know of a half a football now, here's where we need to be. Not looking for, uh, you know, the to me the process of adjustment wasn't. Oh, we gotta we gotta tweak this player, that player. Hey, let's let's uh, let's put this variation in. you know we might have worked it a couple times during the week or we'll tag this instead. And that's it's it's not a, nearly as effective uh, as going through and and highlighting. Here's the best things. And I know these other things are on the call sheet, but second half, and I'd always have two call, call sheets, one that I could kind of go out there, clean second half with things highlighted to start that game plan again. But thoughts on, you know, the, the approach to the second half and this whole idea of what do I need to delete?
0: Yeah. It, and this is always a funny conversation that I have with, with our defensive coordinator, Mike Fox, who was, I know, been on your podcast and anybody that's watched us play is, incredibly successful at what he does and how he approaches the game. And we always, and I think it's probably the best thing that we do is we always talk to, just sharing ideas. And he always kind of, from a defensive perspective, will ask questions on, you know, why do you do this? Why do you do that? Because here's what I'm thinking kind of thing. And sometimes the most enlightening, you know, conversations you have or when you're thinking about, okay, this is how a guy from the, from the other side of the ball, very successful things, and so this is how maybe it, it'll help me, kind of formulate what I do going forward. But you know, it's it's the halftime for me initially is what have we done well, and I think it's the, the the easiest question you can ask. But in the first half, what were our big hitters and what were our consistent hitters, and then what did not work, and then you got to kind of try to formulate why, right? Because And it kind of goes back to some basketball things, right? We're shoot or shoot. And just because a play that you like didn't work twice, does it mean you don't call it a third time? And I think you you can't just ultimately get away from everything you do, but you got to figure out, okay, it didn't work, but why? Did we just not just block? Like, because we just got beat? Or is it because we we were outnumbered, we were outgapped, whatever it may be. So, you know, what did we do well? what were our big hitters? What were our consistent hitters? And then ultimately what, what didn't work? And do we know why? Cause sometimes you just don't, right. And you ask your kids on the sideline, you know, what happened on this play? And, and ultimately at times guys don't want to admit they got beat. And I think the best teams that we've ever had, and I, I go back to 17 and 18. Well, in our recent history is those guys up front were, were very, very good. They were very experienced and they were overly willing to admit when they screwed up and ultimately those were our best teams because we could find the answers right away our our team this year we had essentially four new starters up front all young kids and uh, all of which are returning which we're very excited about and as the year went on that you know they understood that we're not trying to pick on you for for making a mistake we're ultimately just trying to find the answer in a very short period of time because hopefully we're back out there in less than a few minutes but but, at, at, you know, as the, in getting back to the halftime, as, as the course of the halftime goes on, those, those few minutes that you do have, it's those, those consistent hitters, the defensive guys on the other side of the ball are also looking at what our consistent hitters are and what may be the adjustment they make so that we have an answer for that. And then for us in the run game, what's the consistent hitters are, what are our play actions that we can go to that we maybe haven't or that we saved for this part of the half? that we can use because ultimately, you know, whatever you bring out new in the second half always has that merit of, well, they don't have another halftime to go to, to try to stop it. And and that's why it's always nice to save something for the second half. And that's when, that's what we try to do. It's usually our play action stuff. So we're not usually adding a new downfield concept in the second half. It's usually going to be some sort of a play action that we, that we hopefully got them aware of in the first half with our run game. Now we can probably, try to hit them on at some point in the second
1: half because those are some great points there i want to step back to to something you said there in you know this uh, you know the the best teams you've had being able to come to the sideline and tell you what they were seeing and not not worry about being the guy that screwed up and and it's it's all about building trust and i think there's some things we can do as coaches to help that process and essentially train that process into our players. And it's funny, I was talking to my son yesterday, just about film sessions. He's a a junior right now. And I said, you know, we were talking about film sessions. I said, you know, I've been in some good ones. I've been in some bad ones. I've run some good ones and learned to run good ones finally by the end of doing this. But I also remember back in the day when I wasn't good at it and not just film sessions, but man, you know, when, when you ask any coach on this podcast, mistakes he made as a young coach talked about yelling all the time. And, and part of that is because you don't know what, in some ways, maybe don't know everything you're talking about and get frustrated because you don't communicate it. But, but it's a very important point. Like, you know, sometimes as coaches, I mean, we're, we're out there looking at that and trying to see everything we can. High school level, they got the iPad now, which helps. But you know, I mean, we're doing everything in real time. And so you still rely heavily on communication from your players and coming to the sideline. So my my question really is thoughts on how to best develop your guys so that game day is like you talked about with those good teams where they come to the sideline. It's it's not it it's that trust that's built. It's that rapport that's built that they know somebody's not jumping down their, their throat or or, you know, being, you know, negative in a critique, etc. It's that we're solving problems together so that we can win. Yeah,
0: and I, I think the first one, the first part of that for us and the, the approach we take is humility. We will openly, as coaches, admit maybe more so than we should the mistakes that we make, and we tell our guys all the time. It, it, coaching for me comes down to very simple. it's And, and we may have touched this on this last time, but like good coaching is not always putting your players in the perfect play. It's keeping them out of the bad ones. And I really think, you know, it's <laughs> coaching loses more games than coaching wins. And I don't know if, if people share that approach with me or, or belief with me, but I really feel that that bad coaching can lose more games than good coaching can win games. And, and it, it I think, obviously, as you know, I tell our guys all the time, it's, it's, it's not necessarily about the jockey. It's about the horse, right? And we, we need good players to be successful. And obviously, I don't want to kind of you know, minimize what, what coaching does because, obviously, it, it does mean a lot. But, but I, I really think it's just getting our kids ready to go and, and mentally and physically. But we will tell it, guys. I'm going to call probably 10, hopefully no more than 10, really bad calls this game you know, we're, I just, we're not in a great position to be successful. Obviously I would like to have no more than two or three, but you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be more than that. And when a bad play call happens on film on Monday, I am literally standing up, raising my hand in front of the guys and going, listen, I screwed you up there. That's my fault. I I did this and they did that. And no matter what you guys did, that play wasn't going to be successful. So I think they hear us. Um, openly and admittedly uh, when we screw up. And I, and I think hopefully that translates to them in the sense that, you know what, I can do this. And, and, and I'll be the first one to admit to you and anybody that's coached against me or whatever, I, I'm wired on game day. I am vocal. I am a complete different person than I, I, it's just a switch goes on. And, you know, maybe because we only get 10 of these, right. We only get 10 guaranteed. We get 30 hours a year, to show what we've done over 365 days, right? I don't know how many professions have that little of time to, to show the work they put in. So, you know, I get pretty wired up, but we, we're not going to just pull somebody and bench somebody for them telling us they made a mistake. And, and the reality is it's refreshing, right? With how many times you hear from kids, well, you know, I couldn't get to workouts or I couldn't do this because they give you 16 excuses rather than saying, you know what, I screwed up. If you tell me you screwed up, we move on. It's very quick. Um, But when you give me 15 different excuses now, that trust level, as you referred to, which is ultimately so huge between a player, coach, 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 player, player, you know, starts to minimize. So the the teams that we've had that have been most successful are not afraid to admit that they screwed something up. And then we can find the source of the problem. Ultimately, that's the goal of all of this. You know, it's just how do we find the source and as quick as possible? Because when you tell me you didn't do something and sometimes let's be honest, they just don't know they didn't do it. Right. Because it does happen fast and it's not that they're intentionally lying to us on the sideline, but how many times you go back to the film going, wait a minute, he told me at a, and this is not even close to what happened, you know? So it, it, but if we known that, you know, 48 hours ago or 24 hours ago, we could have been a little more successful on Saturday. So obviously. You know, it's just getting to the source of the problem. And we try to translate to our guys. That's ultimately what we're trying to do. And the faster we can get to it and find the right source, we're going to be uh, have a better chance to be successful.
1: Well, Coach, to wrap things up here, I guess, if no, number one, let, let's think of this. As you look at the game right now, any level, when, when we're looking at this concept of, of guys who win with simple, who, who comes to mind? What, what teams come to mind as – These guys are really good on offense and it's because they're simple, they're concise, yet they can do a lot of things to make it complex for the defense.
0: Yeah, I mean, the first team, and again, if we're talking big time football is is Oklahoma, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many guys on my team that I've talked to that have gone on to say how much stuff they do. And don't get me wrong, they have wrinkles, right? I mean, they have a lot of what we refer to as opportunity plays, what some people may refer to as a trick play. They do some good misdirection stuff, but the core of their stuff, I think, is, is pretty simple. And as you watch them, I, you know, I watch pretty much every game they play. When you start watching them throughout the course of the season, I think they're, they're pretty consistent with what they do with their base stuff, and they have a few misdirection opportunity things that would get you thrown off gear. When you look at like, teams that, that we're going to play against, you know, uh, and my hat tips off to a Muhlenberg college and Corey David on the defensive side of the ball. They didn't do much. They just lined up and said, here we are. This is, this is what we're going to do. And, and we're going to defeat you because we got better players and, and credit to him and, and what he's done over there. Mary Harden Baylor. I mean, I don't think I need to describe to anybody who they are. They, they basically run one front, and one coverage, and they're just going to line up and be better than you. And it, again, it, takes a lot of discipline to do that some people may look at that and go oh well they just got better players well yeah but good coaches can get good players in bad spots and and, you know they just they they have a conviction for what they're going to do and and how they're going to line up against you and and play football but I think the teams that we you know going back even some history who we play this year coming up is in, in Montclair out of New Jersey they're one of the first teams defensively that like it just hit me over the course of playing in the New Jersey Athletic Conference, we played them year after year. They essentially ran one or two fronts and one or two coverages and just played football. And year in and year out, they were outstanding. And that's what really kind of led me to think, like, man, they don't have to do all of this crazy stuff to be good. They just have to be good at what they do. And, you know, obviously, I had this talk um, with the University of Buffalo staff. And, you know, when they were going to play Penn State, that maybe it doesn't have merit. Right, you have to do a few different things when, when maybe you're the underdog, and and uh, and you know Koaliki does a phenomenal job there with their offense uh, at University of Buffalo, and and had a, I thought a phenomenal game plan against um, Penn State, and I think took the, the lead in the halftime um, down there on Saturday prime time. So, you know, there are times where this doesn't have merit, and it was great talking to him about his perspective of it when maybe you're just a little outmanned in terms of playing a Power Five when. You know, you're, you're not. But I think ultimately the teams that we've played against that have been very, very good are the ones that you know what they're going to do and they just do it at a very high level.
1: Coach, if finally, then I guess if, if we were to kind of go back over this, your, your best three tips for coaches who are listening and in, in how they can go through this process of simplifying.
0: Yeah. So I think the first is, and this is what we do with guys. And, and this is what we, you know, me and yourself alluded to before we got on air here is it, when guys come and see us and just want to talk some football, which we're, our doors are always open. We, we love it. And, and trust me, we get more out of it than maybe they do, which is selfish on our part, but in, in terms of learning, but it's one of these things where they'll come to us with, you know, this is what we do and we'll map it on the board. And, you know, sometimes I need more than one board to write all the things they do. And it's saying, okay, well, out of this stuff, first and foremost, what do you know inside and out a hundred percent? Because the more you also do, it's maybe hard as a coach to know all of it and every adjustment, because it's one thing to call plays. It's one thing to have plays, but do you know it inside and out? So when you're in the middle of that game, And as we're talking and trying to make these adjustments and find the ways to become successful in the middle of the game, do you have the answer? Because you know it 100%. I don't know if everybody does that. And the more you do, maybe it's harder to have that comprehension of an entire offense. So for one, what do you know? And then basically narrow it down to a handful of things that you think you can be good at in terms of the run, the pass, and and for us, the third phase is our play action stuff. So we're going to break it down. Run. Uh, downfield pass game play action and then out of that say okay how much can we practice how many reps do we get in practice what's my allotment time wise with my kids and say if this is a two hour window how do we practice the run game the pass game the play action efficiently through a course of a week to be successful on saturday and i think so that's that's phase one phase two is then getting your staff on board and convincing everybody on staff that this is what we're going to do because this is what we're going to get out of it. I think you, you always have to have reasons to, to convince your staff that this is the best course of action for us to be successful because ultimately that's what we're all trying to, to, to do. And then thirdly, convincing your players. So figuring out scaling down is the best, is the best answer because we're going to be able to ref this over and over, getting your staff on board, getting your players on board. Those are the first three things and the, and the main three things that I would do if I was looking to maybe evolve or change. And then maybe I'll add a fourth thing is finding somebody that does what you want to do or what you think is, is best for your program that at a high level that you can learn from and, and just find answers. And there's two things that will come of that. One, it's going to be, okay, this is the right thing for us to do because this is why. Or you may learn that maybe it's not maybe it's a little more complex than you thought or maybe it's not for you based on personnel you're going to find one way or the other either way you're going to become a better coach but just find the people that, that 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 do it well that you can talk to
1: coach great stuff as always love talking ball with you so it was great to catch up with you here for our listeners your twitter handle and you know i'm not sure how you break it up as far as the areas you focus on in recruiting as the head coach but uh, also feel free to share those areas uh, that are a focus for you in recruiting?
0: Yeah, at Coach uh, Mangoni, M-A-N-G-O-N-E is my Twitter. And then recruiting specifically in terms of road stuff, physically I'm in uh, Buffalo area um, in western New York. But, uh, you know, in terms of – if anybody has any prospects that they want us to look at, just email them, the letter J Mangoni at Brockport.edu. Uh, I would love to check out anybody's uh, prospects that they think has an interest in in playing football at at the college at Brockport or or soon-to-be SUNY Brockport. We're changing our school name back to SUNY Brockport, so i got to start saying that. But we'd love to have all the top talent and and all the kids that uh, just are competitive and have ultimate work ethic.
1: Coach, thanks again, and best of luck to you and, and the Golden Eagles in 2020.
0: Thanks, Coach. Appreciate you having me
1: coaches again want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model please push this down to your youth coaches i think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done check it out all of our our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com again check out our systems for blocking tackling and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com if you register with your email you get your choice of three free videos there's some great things in there I think things that as you get going again you can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball if you had time here in the spring to work on football some great drills for all those phases of contact if you're enjoying the podcast please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week. Thanks for listening to
0: USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast. For more resources, visit the Coach Performance Center at usafootball.com.